Fuel, the podcast for fixing underperformance and evolving leadership within the automotive industry. Fuel is bringing you the latest in proven strategies and techniques that can take your service department to the next level. Welcome back to another episode of the Fuel Podcast. I'm Alex Keith, your host, and today I've got two special guests with me, Bill DeMarie again. Thank you so much for joining me. And Josh Pachuni, correct? That's right. That nailed it on the first try. Look at me go here. <laughs> Both with the Tom Wood Automotive Group, and I'm really excited about the topic we can involve you guys in today is talking about body shops. One of the things that I've never really had the opportunity to to be more invested in or, or talk about more, be around more is body shops. You know, I've been more on the fixed side and discussing with the fixed side and things like that. So it's going to be a very interesting conversation today. I'm extremely excited about it. But kind of before we jump into the podcast, Bill, I, I think Josh has got a little bit of an announcement to make something that got finalized about a month ago. He does. That's Bill's right. Got- so uh, about a month, month and a half ago, uh, I got the opportunity to be promoted into the general manager role here at Tomwood Collision. Um, been with the facility and with the group for seven, eight years. Um, started off as an entry-level estimator, got trained through Tomwood. Uh, it's been fantastic to be part of the team, and uh, I'm really excited to see what we can do. There were a lot of things uh, growing up at Tomwood that uh, I saw and I thought needed changed uh, in, in different ways. Um, but primarily, we're a really high line and high certified shop. And uh, there's a, as we continue to grow in body shop, we're getting more and more information back from the OEMs on how they want the cars fixed the safe and proper way. Um, there's a ton of resistance in our industry, unfortunately, on getting that approved through insurance and getting it paid to do it the right way. Um, don't, you know, don't, don't say that. That's not true. Come on. Now. Everybody, everybody pays what you want them to pay. Come on. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, but, you know, I really wanted to take the opportunity um to hone in and get really intimate with those expectations, those procedures, those requirements, and apply those to our shop. Um, because most body shops, unfortunately, don't follow those. Uh, whether they're undereducated or underinformed, they don't have access to the information, uh, or they, they unfortunately, their business can't operate because the, the denials of coverage hold them back so bad uh, that their business would eventually close because of it. Um, but with the platform that we have and the cars and the certifications that we have and the market that we have, we have the perfect opportunity to be a front runner and really push the industry into the next level for all of this. That's fantastic. So let's jump on that. I mean, I think I love what you just said, undereducated and underinformed. I think, I think that's going to be a good start. So as you start to develop this, let's say if I'm, you know, looking to build a body shop or I'm looking to invest in a body shop what are some key things that is 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 needed to be educated and to be informed? What what did you find as you started to do some of your research or started to, like you said, get more intimate with it? Yeah, so there are a ton of resources out there, but up until recently, they weren't surface level. You really had to dig or have some networking in the industry to know who to call, what websites to go to. Um, first and foremost, if you're new into Body Shop, start reaching out to the OEM reps. Uh, there are a handful for every single OEM. Um, most of them are extremely helpful. They're extremely knowledgeable. And they can at least put you on the path where you can go teach yourself, teach your team, uh, and get that education. Um, there are a ton of third-party companies that are starting to step into this, this industry uh, to support ease of access for this information. Uh, but you still have to go look for it. Um, and it's what you do with it after you read it as well. Don't just read page one and page two and say, that works for my business. 
and skip pages <laughs> three through 10. Um, you have to read it from start to finish. You have to understand what's going on. Um, it's complex, right? I mean, it's not easy fixing wrecked cars and with the electronics and the add-ons they're putting into vehicles, it's evolving faster every single year. You've got to get really intimate and have drive to bring your shovel to work every day and dig until you get all the answers that you need. So yeah, at, at entry level, um, it could be a tall order. And maybe you pick one OEM or two or three OEMs at a time and try and tackle them individually. What's going to be best for your market? What do you see the most of? Uh, but there's a plethora of information out there and the industry is getting excited to share this information too. Um, so there's plenty of people, if you can get a hold of them, they're happy to talk and happy to educate. So how do you build that library? That That's interesting. How, how do you start well, building that foundation? It's interesting because the OEMs want to partner with us. They want to be involved in these decisions that are being made. And and, and we just had, I think it was Subaru that came in recently and, and walked through our facility. And they were asking us, what can we do to help educate your uh, systems better and educate your team and the insurance carriers. So they're they're actively engaged because they really want the, the vehicles to be repaired correctly. They want the process to go the way it's meant to go to, to bring the car back to a safe manner. Um, it's the third parties and the other parties that don't because they just simply don't want to pay. They think it's a suggestion to go down some of the paths. One of the things that um, we we saw really quick, and it happened to be a Subaru, where we started down a path of these are the inspections we are gonna do and we are gonna charge for them. The insurance carriers don't like to pay for it. They don't feel it's necessary. They think it's a suggestion. We no longer accept suggestions. So we go down the path and one of our lead technicians and they were all kind of like, eh, I don't know what's going on here, but I guess I'll do it. And one of the very first vehicles we went down, one of the inspection was a, a seat frame. This was a very minor hit. You would never think about going down a path to check a seat frame. Well, it turned out this this seat had so much play in it from the accident, it stretched the bolts in the seat frame that we would have never checked or never saw you know, in the past. So there is a reason uh, behind uh, the OEMs wanting us to go down these paths for the proper repairs. And now we just have to continue to educate the community that this is the right thing to do. And it's the way we're going to do it. That's impressive. Yeah. See, I told you we we're supposed to look. That's right. Knowledge. Um, a lot of the OEMs, you can quite literally just Google Subaru certified repair facility or Subaru certified collision center. And these are going to be tailored links to consumers but you as a professional can look through and find out uh, the info and contact points to talk to those representatives. Um, also, okay. any, any kind of a body shop networking event, um, you're highly likely to rub elbows with either an actual OEM rep uh, or somebody who can get you in contact with those reps. What kind of, what kind of event would, would you be looking out for as far as a body shop event? So there's a, there's a handful of them, not a ton of them in the Midwest, um, but there are different collision industry conferences Normally they are done by region. Um, so you got some like in the, the Carolinas, you got some in the Midwest, uh, find your region, Google if there's any kind of a collision conference. They typically label them pretty vanilla. Uh, so they're gonna be pretty easy to find. Um, you can also body shop news, there's uh, auto body news, there's a handful of Fender newsletters, Bender. Fender Bender mm -hmm. um, that are out there. Uh, collision Advice does a handful of things. SCRS does a ton. Uh, there's also local body shop chapters. So like for us in Indiana, 
we've got Indiana Auto Body Association uh, and they do meetings once a month and it's really laid back. It's a bunch of body shop employees and owners that get together and talk about hot topics. Uh, but as long as you got to do a little digging, but if you're hitting those key SEOs and, and search words on Google, you'll find things relatively quickly. Um, of course, there's larger events as well. Um, and as you get a little more into it, you can join 20 groups for different body shop managers. Um, and that's where you're really going to get some amazing networking. That's awesome. So like the last time I talked to Bill, we were talking about the mobile service, which was a lot of fun to talk about. I mean, you talk about getting dialed in on something. It's a long way from daddy's uh, driveway, right, Bill? (laughs) It's it's really getting after it. So I was actually have been in some of the conversations as a, as a coach for other stores, some people have brought up that conversation about the mobile business, but from our conversation, it doesn't sound like something you can go halfway when talking with you, Bill, it was like, you know what, if, if you're going to do it, you really kind of don't dip your toe in it. Like, go ahead and have a plan, assess what you need to do and just drive with this thing. Now, Josh, would you say that that's kind of the same mentality? If you're going to do this, if you're going to do this body shop stuff, if you're going to take these steps, like you, you've got to have that process. Or would you say it's something you could probably dabble in if it's not for you back out of it? You know, until you get to the quality level uh, that we're trying to achieve, you can certainly dabble in it in certain ways. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily personally recommend it. Um, I completely agree with don't dip your toes in the water. If you're going to do something the right way and you want to be ethical and you want to have quality, like I mentioned earlier, you can't read pages one and two and forget about three through 10. There you go. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it would be challenging to get your foot in the door, not having background knowledge or having some networking there. Um, but no, I, you know, my personal thought there is you go in and dive all the way in. That's it. That's it. I love that aspect of we're going to do it. Let's do it right. Let's get it right off the front foot. So now we're going to, you know, we've got, you've got your research, right? You've got a couple of things going. I'm interested in hearing about the facility now. How how do you, and from what Bill tells me, you guys could have started to look at this a little bit different as far as the layout and how you're going to structure this. A, you know, what kind of facility are you kind of going into and how would you say you're looking at it a little bit more differently than more of a traditional style? We got a pretty big box. Uh, we're swinging around 80,000 square foot, um, which is overwhelming. Uh, but at the same time, that gives us a ton of, we have almost unlimited potential. Um, we are working with a consulting team through Collision Advice to restructure the layout. I think we have a relatively okay start. Uh, our foundation is there, but we have a lot of things that we need to tidy up. And a lot of it's housekeeping, right? Where are we storing parts that have been taken off the cars? Um, where are we going to store the incoming parts? Because um, as you can imagine, uh, one thing that's relatively different than service, we could need a ton of storage space for a large repair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not your, and I've never worked at a service center, but we're not storing service related items, right? Where it's oil filters and tires and things of that nature. Uh, we also have to itemize these specific to each car. Uh, we don't keep really anything on hand other than hardware. Um, so we're revamping how we're storing parts. We're getting storage totes. We're getting storage racks for those totes, uh, which is a little bit different than what you would see at a normal body shop. If I could paint a picture for you, what most body shops look like, um, and I'm not, I love this industry, but most of them look like dungeons. They, right. don't have, they don't have great lighting. They don't have good clean floors. It uh, it just looks a little bit like a dungeon. Um, and they don't have a ton of process in how they store their parts, whether they're incoming or outgoing. Um, normally, you just put it on a big roll around rack and you roll it off into the corner and you leave it sit. Um, We don't want to do those things anymore. Uh, We want process. We want procedure. We want to dial it in. Um, We've got vertical space as well that we we're trying to figure out how we can capitalize on. Um, But the ways of 
body shop that have been so common for so long, I think it's time to, to revamp and innovate something new. Um, we can, de we can certainly do better. We just got to figure out ways to do that. Absolutely. I can relate. Uh, it's my early days when, when my dad, you know, I did one of these, I want to go to work with you today, dad. And he said, you're going to learn all of it. And I had to go pick up a couple of vehicles at the body shop. It was kind of like, is this an entry to a horror movie? Like this feels <laughs> not supposed to be here or like, you know, where's the dog that's supposed to come out. So it's been interesting right. to, to, to see like, and to hear, you know, some of the revolutionary things that, that some of the body shops do and how they've really cleaned up their act in some cases, you know, get more efficient with what they do and things like that. So, you know, now you get your facility, how do you go about staffing? How do you go about, you know, you've got your facility, you've kind of done your house cleaning, you've got your process. How do you staff this thing? So we're really focused on training the technicians and the employees of tomorrow. Um, of course, we love partnering with the tech in vocational schools locally. They just aren't producing the graduates that it takes for our industry to fill all the void. Uh -huh. uh, don't hold me to it. I know recently there was a report I read that the average age of a tech is nearing um, high 40s, low 50s. That's awful. Um, we just don't have a ton of youngsters coming into it. Um, so we are transitioning to our technicians being on a team style. Uh, and depending on that technician's ability to coach, maybe he has one apprentice, maybe he's got two or three. Uh, we've got two of those in play right now, um, one of which has been extremely successful. We have a young man who's, I think, 23 years old. He came in right out of tech school. He took out trash and swept the floors for the first year or so, partnered up with the tech. He is one of our highest certified technicians just a few years later. I mean, he's putting, frame rails, in he's putting frame rails in Porsches and Audis. Wow. Uh, of course, the kid's ambitious, right? It takes ambition. <laughs> uh, but he's effectively trained in-house. Um, and that's something that I... I think we're really going to have to focus on not just at Tom Wood, but as an industry. Uh, we, our second team, we have a really good coach uh, who's a senior tech and he had a broad enough shoulders to take three apprentices on. Oh, wow. Uh, that is relatively new. They've been with us for a little over 90 to 90 days or so. Uh, but we see a lot of good breadcrumb trails of success with these young guys and they're eating it up. Um, I think they're gaining really valuable knowledge. Um, it's a lot more hands-on than a lot of vocational schools would be. And, you know, mm -hmm. give circumstance it's on the job training of course it's going to be a little more hands-on um and i need to start forward thinking as well as how do we do that with our admin staff um i think another thing that the body shop industry is severely lacking is there's not a lot of good training platforms on site uh when you want to become something like an estimator or an office manager it's just you kind of get in the industry and you figure it out <laughs> just kind Even of figure it out. as you go <laughs> are you going to sink or are you going to swim um, which drives a lot of people away and it doesn't create a good work environment either. Right. You want people who have a good training platform. Um, so looking forward to that as well. So does this mean that you're developing some type of a training process for estimators? I've got ideas of what I'm going to be doing. Um, you know, at surface level, I think somebody who wants to get a good career, they don't necessarily have a college degree or anything to come swinging with, yeah. um, you know, body shop can offer it. Uh, a seasoned estimator can make a good income. Um, but what's that look like to get there? Um, you know, I think a lot of places, the natural response is you put them in as either a shop hand or you put them in as a CSR. And if you get really needy, oh, I'm promoting you today because we need an estimator because somebody quit. We're going to figure this out together. Uh, that's kind of how I learned. I was early in my career, I was promoted as people left. And it was, hey, man, we're going to help you, but you got to figure this out. 
that's not the way to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we can bring entry level people in who have a desire to potentially do this role. And I've kind of got an around the world idea that I'd like to 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 trial run um, where, yes, you start as a CSR, but after a handful of weeks, we're going to put you in the parts department. After a handful of weeks, we're going to take you from the parts department and put you in cleanup. Uh, and so on, as you get around that area, I think that gives the employee a ton of opportunity and it gives us the opportunity to see where they shine. Uh, you know, maybe somebody who comes in and says, hey, I want to be an estimator and we put them back in the cleanup department. We find out they're really good at buffing and polishing cars and they enjoy it. Well, hey, there you go. We just mm -hmm. found this solution again. Um, but yeah, we just plenty of online training. Estimating is just not a role that you can take a class, take a course, get certified online and roll out into the world and, and really grasp it. Um, which it's is a Holiday Inn Express, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where my head's at with it. Um, we ran one young man through it. He did a uh, high school, high school vocational school. So half days in high school. He originally went to be a body technician um, and we brought him in and took him through that path. As he graduated, he's like, yeah, no, man, that uh, that dirty body work, it, that's not for me. <laughs> I, I prefer to be in an air-conditioned office and, and work behind a computer. And he's one of our strongest rising stars for estimators. That's fantastic. Uh, that's fantastic. I, I hate to I hate to drop a plug here, Bill, but it sounds like another Fuel Podcast episode, if you don't mind. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I can get it rolling there. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're coming kind of full circle here. You know, you've got your staff now. You know, you've got your facility. You've got your process down in place. Me and Bill were – kind of discussing a couple things earlier and and then to touch on some of the organic growth i did a podcast earlier with uh james freely he's with the crest cadillac group he started off as a technician um transmission guy back in like the 70s and his number one thing we talked about technician growth his number one thing is right in line with what you guys are talking about organic growth by taking somebody he brings everybody in as a porter and he's like some of the the people he've got that the best technicians he's ever had have been porters and I'm like, this is outstanding conversation to be able to say, hey, you can take a guy who takes out trash and man, you can turn him into something if he's got the drive. So mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to be able to sift through the people pretty quickly without having to invest with them too early in some aspect. So I think this going to be a lot of fun to talk about as you start to get your process down pat. Well, and they, they learn your, you know, you learn them, they learn you and you find out really quickly, do they meet your culture? Do they meet your core values? And, and if you can run them through that gamut, which we believe you can, and we do it a lot in our car stores as well, but the Collision Center, I'm excited about uh, going down those paths to just grow our own. We can grow our own team. We don't we don't need outsiders coming in and influencing the teams that we currently have. <laughs> Put the fence up. So when we're looking at coming full circle with this, now we're coming around the pricing. So me and Bill were talking about, you know, it's not a, it's not a suggestion anymore. It's a right. pricing structure, you know, which I've gotten a lot of more conversations about, you know, how do we charge our internal departments? You know, how do we look at what we do and how we do it and maintain profitability, not just, you know, cut deals or, or, or do things that don't make sense to an extent. So as you work through this process, how do you start to come up with your, your estimating process as far as, you know, what are some fair prices to charge and what kind of information do you, do you rely on? to say, hey, you know, this is kind of what other stores are, are eligible to do. And this is why I'm not going to pay you 60, right? Bill, 60 bucks to do an alignment. Right. So um, we do have some new resources as of a year or so ago online. Uh, um, one's called Laborate Hero, and it's exclusive to body shop industry. Uh, you just type in a zip code and body shops are reporting their, their posted door rates, right? 
Um, and they're getting a little more dialed into where it shows everything from body rate to refinish mechanical. They're even getting into what their standard uh, pre and post scanning or calibration charges could be or where that baseline starts at. Um, we got to, you know, we got to start looking around the market versus listening to what we're being told is supposed to be the fair price. Right. Uh, for far too long, uh, we've had the big brother uh, telling us, well, this is what is fair in the market and this is what you should charge. Uh, our industry is kind of held back by that being something that was very prevalent for decades. Uh, body shops used to rely on direct repair programs with insurance companies so they could make sure they had enough work. Well, consumers are getting a little more informed. The cars are getting more you know, developed. These consumers are now looking for the shop they want to use. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we provide a service. Um, it is uh, heartbreaking to look at $60 an hour in our market and think that we've, we're pretty proud that we got the approval up to 60 over this last year. But you're paying a guy that's qualified enough to weld in a frame rail on a Tesla or glue in a frame rail on a Tesla and put somebody's family in a safe car and we're only collecting 60 bucks an hour for that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense when it costs more to fix a computer per hour or a tractor or anything like that, right? Absolutely. Uh, so we have to push the needle. Um, you know, we also look at what local service rates are at. Uh, our technicians aren't just OEM certified for collision, but they're also going through ASC training. And a lot of the OEM collision training is revolved around mechanical. You know, these guys do a lot of mechanical work. Um, so we've reflected on what are the local pricing and service centers and if we're doing a mechanical operation, such as an alignment, there's a book time available and there's a mechanical rate available. Mm-hmm. Why haven't we been charging this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and these are some of the antiquated things I was I was referring to earlier, right? Um, we use a, a system called CCC1. It's widely accepted throughout the industry. Um, it's no different than all that or anything else that provides book times. And alignments are in there. <laughs> why, why have we been accepting 69.95? Uh-oh. is that we're we are dialing in and we're trying to look at it um as logically as possible you know we've got these industry standards out here and we've got trusted um sources like ccc all data things of that nature we're not deviating from those anymore uh, these were all put in place by professionals who do time studies labor studies and these are frequently updated right um we're going to stick to our guns with this these were put in place for a reason as Bill mentioned, it's really not a suggestion. This was the rule book that was put in our hands. We're not going to pick and choose when we do and don't follow it. And I feel that the insurance should, uh, insurance and customers as well, should be able to respect that, right? Yeah, you're insurance for a reason. I mean, they pay you monthly, you know. It's not like they're not getting their due on it. And I love the fact that when you look at around here and you're and you're looking at rates and, and you start looking around and you're like, we should be charging this. And people are saying, ah, it's just not how you do it. You're like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. There's no way... <laughs> that we should be charging this and everybody else around us is, is not at that rate. So I think it's, it's something beautiful with it as far as being able to revolutionize the market and get a little bit more modern with it. You know, just like some of the conversations we've been having with, with internal rates, you know, do you think this is something you would structure on like a, a variable strike, a variable pricing structure, you know, from OEM to OEM? I mean, like you said, some of the vehicles are a little bit more integral than, than others is this is this a variable pricing structure that may be coming to the body shop in the future 100 um you know as you mentioned there's different levels of education that you have to achieve to become certified in different brands um there are some of these you know american brands they're relatively easy uh don't get me wrong still complex vehicles but it's cardinal knowledge and they kind of all are very cohesive and have similarities mm-hmm. um, 
So, you know, Chevy, Ford, Stellantis, they have different certifications, but it's all relatively the same kind of knowledge and they're constructing the cars in the same way with the same rules. But you get into some of the exclusive vehicles like a Tesla or like a Porsche and Audi, the training is much different. It's much more intensive. It's much more critical and difficult. And then the equipment requirements behind that, um, you know, we have, I think in the neck of the woods of 15 different welders to be certified with all these different OEMs. Um, and they all have various different functions and we have different frame racks. Now we have two different frame rack providers from uh, Carliner and Silette. Um, and that equipment cost is, is not cheap. Um, you know, and then the, the dangers of working on some of these newer vehicles, as we kind of talk into the EV side of things, yep. somebody who isn't educated on the dangers of an EV or a hybrid, um, you could severely injure someone or certainly kill them. Um, those technicians are not only educated, but they're taking a risk. Um, so it's just like you mentioned earlier, I feel like I take crazy pills when I look at all these different cars, different requirements, all the equipment, everything going into these and thinking these are all charged out at the same rate as well. <laughs> That's right. This isn't adding up. Um, so that is something that'll be coming in the future. And I think it's more than justified. I think, you know, you look at it logistically or logically, right. And it's, it makes sense. Um, just haven't put my finger on exactly how we're going to blend that. I think as a, uh, an introduction is, you know, anything Highline, uh, anything EV or anything luxury line, those are going to have their, their own specified rate. Um, then things that we're certified on will have its, its certain rate. Yeah. And then if you have an O2 Honda Civic, right? It's going to have your regular old door rate, <laughs> uh, not, not complex, not full of electronics. And it's a regular old car, right? Yeah, I got a 97 Chevy over here. <laughs> so, well, I right. think it's funny. The, the first time I got introduced to EV was in the Fiat world. And I remember the shop foreman who was the top diesel tech. And and I was asking him, he was like, I was like, got these vehicles coming in and the training. Are you good on this or whatever? He's like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, this is new. I'm kind of nervous kind of going into this and everything. I was like, what do you mean? It's the vehicle. I'm like, what's the problem? He said, you see the guy out there working on that power pole? He said, that's what I feel like I'm getting ready to do. <laughs> he said, at any moment, this could go sideways and it could go sideways real bad. And this is also coming from a guy who kind of talked like cousin Eddie from the Christmas vacation movies, you know, he just, yeah. he just if he goes to your leg, just let him finish type guy. So it was, it was really fun to listen to him get very serious and start slowing down and enunciate his words when he's telling me how concerned he was about working on some of these vehicles, but it's a revolutionary age. And I think it's definitely something that's, that's on the rise and something you got to prepare for. So I'm extremely yeah. excited to hear how the success is going to be coming. And I say that preemptively success preemptively. I'm pretty sure it's going to work out. Bill, I don't, I don't know what you did or, or how you developed Josh, but I think you should keep at it. <laughs> uh, so I, I gave uh, uh, Josh the deal in January when I moved into his shop and said, so here's the deal. I don't know much about the collision center. And so if you teach me how to run a collision center, I'll teach you the PL, how you can make a lot of money. And I think we both uh, uh, kind of helped each other uh, grow a little bit over the last six months. Uh, to the point where he earned the position. As I also told him, it's your position to lose. So my goal was to give it to him, uh, but he had a window of an opportunity. And, and my goal was to spend as much time and support him as much as I can and wrap all resources around Josh. Uh, I feel like instead of hiring from the outside, bring a person that you know his, his, how he works, he operates, he meets your core values. He's worked extremely hard over the last eight to nine years to prove himself. And why not give that person the opportunity to run probably the largest collision center in the Midwest? 
A 75,000 square foot collision center is unheard of. The average is 13,000. Uh, I've seen some 20s and 23s and you know, you see what we've built over here for the past 10 years. It's nice to see it finally doing what it was really ultimately meant to do early on. And it takes a guy like Josh that really thinks different, thinks outside the box, does his homework, research, and has such a passion for the business. Those are the people I surround myself around. If you're passionate about the business, I'm all in. I'll support you all I can. Yeah, there's always a better way. It's the sky's the limit. So, you know, it kind of wraps us up for the this episode of the Fuel Podcast, guys. I, you know, Bill, Josh, thank you so much. As always, I, I like to leave the last remarks to my guests. So, Josh, you got any, any parting things for us? Well, um, I think it just echoes what we talked about earlier. I think if you're going to be passionate about something and you're going to pick an industry to be involved in, and you're picking that as your career and your livelihood, and you've got people's lives uh, and safety in your hands, you got to do it the right way. And you have to stand up. You have to stand up for what's right. Um, bring your shovel to work every day and dig until you find the answers that you need. But don't let your integrity fall because of a challenge or because of a situation in your career. Uh, stand out. Stand above the crowd. Try and be ahead of the curve. At the end of the day, just do what's right. Fantastic. Billy, you got anything for us? Hey, I'm going to show you. You asked me last time, what book am I reading now? And it's this one here. So when they win, you win. Yeah, um, I like it. That, that just uh, uh, sums it up. Kind of threw me off guard. I thought you were going to show a diary or something there for a second. And then what's going on? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's fantastic. I, well, I, grabbed, I grabbed the wrong book when I was showing you what I was telling you about. After I looked down, I'm like, oh, I grabbed the wrong book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. It's going to wrap it up for the Fuel Podcast today. Until next time, Josh, Bill, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining another episode of the Fuel Podcast. Always be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to be notified when new episodes are being dropped. And click the link below to review any of the show notes for additional information. Or you can email the Fuel Podcast with the link as we encourage any feedback or any questions or comments from our listeners. Until next time, I'm your host, Alex Keyes, with the Fuel Podcast for Fixing Underperformance and Evolving Leadership.